Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Thursday, May 20th. Today on the show, Mike Herndon of Broadway Sports Media gives us an update on what the Titans are expecting out of rookie minicamp. The Memphis Grizzlies have kept their season alive, and the Nashville Predators are coming home down two games to nothing in their first-round playoff series with Carolina. The 440 is built every single morning for free for you by the Kingston Group, Nashville's locally owned, award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. You've heard me say it a million times. These guys are the real deal. They're not some random collection of contractors trying to get from job one to job two to job three. These are men and women that take time and effort to get to know you, get to know what you want out of your home to make sure that they deliver exactly what you want on time and on budget. So check out their work. BuildKG.com is the website. I guarantee you it will speak for itself. Let the scoreboard do the talking. Go check out their work, buildkg.com. And remember the name, the Kingston Group. The Predators had a lot more chances and overall played a far better hockey game in the second game of their series with Carolina than in the first. And they had a metric ton of power play chances. But, well, I guess we can put the Ellie Tolvin in lineup drama questions behind us. Nashville lost 3 to nothing to Carolina, and actually the game was a lot closer than the score indicated. The Canes scored twice in the final minute to make the score look a lot worse than the game really was, but otherwise the matchup was largely pretty even, a great hard-fought NHL playoff game, which also could be the sad part. Nashville had every single chance in the world to even the series and come back home, tied up at a game apiece in the series, and simply could not finish the job. John Hines inserted Tolvanen back into the lineup and added some speed on his third defense pairing. And despite seven power play chances, the Predators were clearly better at five-on-five hockey than they were on the man advantage. And actually, they might have given up more high-quality chances than they created despite having an extra dude on the ice, which, last time I checked, isn't supposed to be how the game works. Sebastian Ajo was the best player on the ice, not named Yussi Saros, and he scored on the power play and with an empty netter, but honestly could have had at least two or three more goals, including a couple shorthanders. In fact, Carolina played with just four dudes for almost 19 minutes in the first two periods and had a 1-0 lead heading into the final period. And the Predators carried play for most of the third period and had plenty of good chances to tie the game. Roman Yossi was much better albeit playing with rookie Alex Carrier, of all people. The Mikhail Granlin line was much better and more noticeable when they were on the ice. UC Saros was the best player on the team once again. The game itself was far more evenly balanced and evenly played. It was a truly great hockey game, minus the whole final score thing, of course, because there was a lot to like, lots of moral victories. Unfortunately, however, this is the playoffs, where only actual victories count. This is the hard part of Wednesday night's loss. The team played hard, they played well, and they had lots of chances, and they still lost three to nothing. That is a tough pill to swallow. Nashville went to Carolina for the first two games of the series and showed improvement, but will still return home for game three on Friday night after back-to-back three-goal losses. However you want to slice it, however you want to explain it, the lineup tweaks, the style of the game, the bad breaks, maybe even the improvement in game two, all of that. It's all true, and good reasons why Nashville could and should win Game 3. But the Preds are down two games to nothing in this series and are a minus six in goal differential heading into Game 3. And if you can't win a game like that 
where you had chances on Wednesday night, it's hard to see the Preds winning more than a game or two in this series, much less four out of five, which is what they now have to do to advance to the next round. It was an old-school showdown in Memphis. The Grizzlies kept their playoff chances alive by winning 100-96 to on Wednesday night against San Antonio in the NBA play-in tournament. John Morant wasn't at his best, but was good enough, scoring 20 points and adding 6 rebounds and 6 assists. Jonas Valachunas added 23 rebounds and 23 points. Dylan Brooks added 24 points, but more importantly held DeMar DeRozan to just 5 of 21 shooting on the defensive end, and Kyle Anderson knocked down a big 3 late in the game. It wasn't the Grizzlies' finest effort, but after a huge lead early, which they of course choked away, they held on for the critical win in the elimination game. And it was a lot of fun to watch as a guy who grew up with late 80s, early 90s basketball. Memphis will head west to California to play one more play-in game on Friday night. If they can manage one more win, they will get into the traditional eight-team Western Conference playoffs. And what do they get if they do win on Friday night, you ask? Well, a best-of-seven series with number one seed Utah, if they can win again on Friday night. Best of luck, Memphis. We're rooting for you, Grind City. So let's take a quick break from some playoff basketball and hockey to talk Titans for just a second. And so we bring on Mike Herndon of the Football and Other F-Words podcast from Broadway Sports Media, and I want to get his opinion on some data and analytics issues, but also what exactly fans need to know about what's taking place at Titans Rookie Minicamp. So I think the the two biggest things are who's participating. Um, everyone's participating besides Caleb Farley, obviously, which is was expected. I don't know. Some people seem to be surprised by that, but that was expected. His recovery timeline has always been start of training camp is the goal. Uh, so I would not expect him to, to be out there for OTAs. I would not expect him to even be out there for mandatory mini camp. If he is out there the first week of training camp, that is a win. So that that's the that's the goal there. Uh, Elijah Molden was uh, I guess limited for the part of rookie minicamp that the the media was available for. You know, apparently dealing with some sort of injury. Probably not a huge deal if he's out there even you know at all. And so I, I don't think there's anything too terribly uh, concerning on the injury front coming out of rookie minicamp. But really, the biggest thing that 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 camp is for is teaching these guys how to practice. This is their one opportunity before the veterans come back uh, to get in there and learn how to go through the drills that they're going to have to do and that the whole team's together. And look, everybody like football is football, but every coaching staff has drills that they do a specific way. I'm sure you saw videos floating around out there of, you know, receivers catching balls with, with a guy, you know, swinging an arm pad at them and then throwing a, a medicine ball at them that they have to step arm and then going through the ladders. That stuff is all very specific to a team. Uh, that's a, that's a drill that Rob Moore likes to run for the Titans wide receivers. These guys are learning how to practice and they're getting ready to go into camp so that when the, the veterans are out there, these rookies aren't slowing down every drill. So that, that is the biggest thing to come out of rookie mini camp is that these guys learned how to practice for a week. And, and so that's not terribly exciting news, but Hey, does Fitzpatrick look good in, in the clips that were out there? You'd rather him look good learning how to practice than not look good learning how to practice. So, Hey, 
that there's one positive silver lining to come out of that thing. Everybody check out, of course, football and other F words from Broadway sports media. Great podcast that you were on with your cohorts there. Uh, why are you so angry about numbers and math? Mike. Oh my gosh. So I, you know, I, I was physically sweating over uh, this. I, we didn't even intend to get onto it. I, I derailed the entire second half of the podcast to talk about this because it's a pet peeve of mine. The Titans are the only team in the NFL that do not employ a single dedicated analytics staff member. And, and look, analytics are not the be all end all. You still have to coach. You still have to play coaches and players run this league. But there are advantages to be had out there by understanding the numbers, understanding, you know, and it's not just fourth down decisions, but fourth down decision making is a big part of it, right? I mean, we saw the Titans potentially uh, give up a chance to win a game in the playoffs when Mike Vrabel punted on fourth and four at the Ravens 40 yard line. So it might've cost them their whole season last year and they can't spare, you know, 500 grand worth of salaries and software for a few nerds to come in there and run some models and give them really good data that would help them make better decisions. That that's all it's for. It doesn't mean you have to follow it every time. It doesn't mean it has to rule your entire football team, but (laughs) just knowing the data, helping you make informed decisions it's not too much to ask. It doesn't count against the salary cap. It is free advantage that 31 other teams are taking against the Titans and the Titans are not, they're just passing on it for no good reason. Mike Herndon pro nerd, everybody as a nerd. I, I appreciate that stance. (laughs) I endorse that message. And uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That was Mike Herndon from Broadway Sports Media, of course, and the Football and Other F-Words podcast. If you want to hear him screaming about data and analytics more, go check out the show. Uh, Just wanted to give you guys a quick update on uh, sort of the rookie camp and and what exactly the Titans are trying to get accomplished right now. And always love talking to Mike about the Tennessee Titans. As usual, we want to say thank you to the Kingston Group, our wonderful sponsors here on the 440 Nashville's locally owned award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. They've been doing work in this market for over 15 years, and the reason they have been successful is that they care about you. They care about your home. They care about you as the client. They care about their work, and every single thing that they do, every step that they take is to make sure that they're delivering on every single promise that they make you. They go out of their way to solve problems, and they do everything on time and on budget. So check them out. BuildKG.com is the website. That's the Kingston Group. Remember the name, the Kingston Group. Go look at the website, BuildKG.com. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Thank you guys all for listening, of course. Please rate, review, subscribe, share the show. Just tell one person about it. It's really, really important to us. We really appreciate it. And we, we rely on you guys to grow this product organically and from the ground up. So we really appreciate it and appreciate all your support as well. So please rate, review, subscribe, share the show. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.